This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Hi guys, welcome in. We are uh, talking now on the last day of the week that we record here on Thursday night. I am pumped. We have a great guest who's going to be joining us here momentarily. You know him as uh, as the Browns man, myth, and legend, Lane Atkins. He is going to be joining me in just a second to take all your questions, uh, especially from his Browns insider perspective. And you know, shout out again to Lane for getting us at the OBR the schedule hours and hours before it was released so that we could get some of that information out to you guys as well. So we're pretty pumped about how last night went. So thank you guys for joining us. And as you trickle in tonight, feel free to ask any question to uh, Lane as we go. I will try to get every question answered uh, as we go through this thing. I'm going to ask a couple of ones that I think have been good from our Ask the Insider section. If you are not a member of the OBR on the website side, you don't get these benefits, which is the ability for Lane to ask, uh, sorry, answer any of your questions in the Ask the Insider section, nor do you get his Rumor Central setup, which is also where you get all of the information ahead of time. Again, it's not, hey, the Browns are going to sign John Johnson. It's breadcrumbs that tell you where they're looking so that you have an idea, and that's the point, and he's the best doing that. So make sure you sign up with us for that reason. So I'm going to welcome in Lane now. How are you, my friend? Hey, Jake. What's going on? Not much, man. We're excited to have you, Lane. We are going to talk as, as much as we can through questions about pertinent topics here, man. I think I think, uh, I think, we should have a pretty good mixture of these things. You ready to go? I'll start firing, and we'll see how long we go based on questions received from those in the comments section, too. Are you yeah, ready? I read, it, read it rumble. I was just taking in your video leading into this thing with the Baker show, and I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Hey, shout out to Matt Sports uh, Sports Sports Matt Cleo with the uh, video hookup because that's way above my pay grade. Um, <laughs> a good one that I think Lane has probably not been talked about much is the idea of Olivier Vernon as maybe a down the line insurance prospect. So, like, obviously Olivier is not going to be ready to play early, but maybe by the end of the year, if maybe Tack or these guys who have an injury history, Jadevian Tack. If but maybe mid year end of year comes, could he be? Have they? I guess the question here is, have they kept in touch? And 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 is there maybe some down the line veterans minimum interest if the Browns are doing well and maybe need the services of another D end? Yeah, there's been some sporadic back and forth. They they know where he's at in his recovery, and it's going to take a while. Um, Olivia Vernon was a guy that was really good in the locker room. They they enjoyed having him on the roster. You know, a veteran that. He can contribute and help a team like the Browns, you know, in the event that they need help on the edge. 
yeah, I think that he would be a name to keep an eye on. Much more than Sheldon Richardson after that departure. I think that's that's certainly one to keep an eye on. Are they are they still another question, Brian Poole, Steven Nelson? Are they still firing away at the potential of another core? Maybe Gary and Conley. I know you made reference to him being in the building yeah. uh, during the free agency period. Is, are they still monitoring that position? Or do you think, whether you've heard or not, just maybe your opinion, do you think that they feel comfortable with what they've done through uh, through the draft? I, I would say that you know they, they have a comfort level that they're okay with. They, they're monitored. They have an idea what some of these guys want. I mean, Stevie Nelson still wants some, some serious coin. Uh, Brian Poole is more of a reasonable salary type looking guy, but you know, he's still sitting out there and there's a reason for it. You know, these guys want paid, you know, when you get to Gary and Connolly, you know, it's a guy who's been up and down shows some promise played, played reasonably well in stretches, but, but it's the ankle. There's, there's concerns about his ankle. And it's another reason why a guy like him who who's talented is sitting out there. It's injury in dollar. I mean, is he a guy who's going to come in and play on the minimum and the team take a chance on him so far? No. Yeah, I, th- I think that <laughs> it's also people talk about, well, they should go sign Steven Nelson or they su- should go sign Brian Poole. It's like, well, are those guys interested in taking the type of role that they would have here, which is a backup role? Not many guys right. you sign in free agency are going into it saying, uh, you're kind of lucky, right, Lane, with 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 uh, Terrence Mitchell, how he handled everything. And he was cool with being a, a guy who could come off the bench and fill in and spot start. Not every guy comes in with that sort of frame of mind. So it's no. like... You know, Steven Nelson's talking to somebody else, but the Browns want to talk to him, and he likes the Browns team, but he doesn't like necessarily the situation that comes with the Browns. So maybe he wants to play more. Obviously, he wants more money, wants bigger contracts down the line. So same with Brian Poole. The defensive tackle room is still a hot-button topic, Lane. Do you think they think they have the answers in-house? Uh, and Let me ask it this way. It's a weird question to frame. They went out and got a little crazy after the draft, which, you know, they had drafted Tommy Togiai. It's it's. Do you think that they'll continue to look at pieces and add pieces there, or do you think they feel like they have enough top end talent with Billings, Jackson, Togiai, and and one of them, maybe maybe two of Marvin Wilson or, or Damian Square, something along those lines? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because you know, like you said, they went a little crazy and they just brought in a bunch of talent. You know, some guys with size, some guys with experience, some guys with a high ceiling, as in Wilson and Tommy T. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. You just got to get him on the field because you're looking at guys, you know, especially Wilson, who, you know, was a reasonably high type of talent who had issues at Florida State, which, you know, really just bottomed him out of the draft and made an undrafted free agent. And, you know, Tommy T, I mean, if you look what he has done over the second half of the season for the Ohio State Buckeyes a season ago, he may arguably have been their best defender, him and maybe a, a Justin Hilliard. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think they're really – Really intrigued to get some of these young guys, strong guys, physical guys, you know, in this mix and see what they can do and, you know, determine where they can go from there. Well, I'll follow up on that with Malik McDowell, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, Andrew Barry's been very, very heavily using the phrase smart, tough, accountable. It's been his thing, which understand that's a great motto to have. He, he finally took his biggest, he didn't bring in Kareem Hunt. He took his biggest character risk. Were you surprised by that McDowell signing? Or do you think, he has a desire to help guys get back on their feet after some past transgressions. Do you think that's a part of who he will be long term, or do you think this is just like a, just like a one-off kind of deal? You know, they, they generally don't go in the direction that they did with McDowell, and you know that came after about a three-month back and forth, really evaluating what he was about, where he's at in life, what he's doing, how's his conditioning. 
it wasn't a quick decision for them. And in the telling tale is, is that it really went on three months before they actually inked this guy. Um, you look at a second round draft choice, you know, a guy with a ton of potential. He showed him Michigan state had issues right from the get go. Uh, you know, it's interesting to see what's going to transpire with him. If his head's on straight, if he's ready to play, if he's physical, you have to look at it. this. This may be it for him. This is his last chance to, to fulfill that dream. He's 24. Hasn't played in the NFL. Should have been playing in the NFL for the last three years at least. You know, Cleveland's going to give him an opportunity, but he's going to be on a short leash. Yeah, it's it's a guy that obviously you invest a little more in Cream than you do in that situation. Um, you know, with Malik, but but it's it, it, I'm not opposed to it either. Like you said, I mean, you know, giving people second chances at an NFL life. Uh, but 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 there's definitely. Uh, there's patterns to this whole thing, and we haven't right. seen Andrew Barry go that pattern, so it was interesting to me. The first user question we have here is, now that Andrew Barry has two drafts under his belt, what are the main criteria that you believe he's looking for in prospects? Lane, I'll let you answer that one first. Well, he's looking for good people, athleticism, speed, talent, intelligence, toughness. You know, they, they look at this, and they just have it in a bucket, and that's what they look for guys in which made it interesting when you got into the later stages of the rounds that they drafted some guys that didn't test well, but played well on film. It's, it's an interesting thing that, that what they're doing here in their second year in the draft, because they just, they went outside of the norm for themselves. And I, I think it was the right decision on the talent. As we talked about when they selected some of these guys, a lot of people didn't really know the full scope of what these guys could do and where they were. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm happy with the direction of the Cleveland Browns right now. I am too. I am too. I certainly think, like you said, the speed, toughness, accountability, all that stuff's what they're looking for. And they're looking for young guys. I think that was a that was definitely a thing that we were talking about collectively at the OBR was this this notion of age and these guardrails and eliminate and people would be like, Well, why don't they why don't you think they'll take Carlos Basham, the Wake Forest? Well, he's twenty-four. Right. It just it just we don't have not that a twenty-four year old can't come in like George Kittle, I think, was twenty-four when he was drafted. Those guys can be good. But I think George Kittle was like a fourth or fifth round guy. So it's like you balance your early, your most important assets in the NFL or your early picks. They always will be. And you 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 kind of have to balance the age and how long you can keep them, hit their second contract and maximize their 20s, right? right. So, Absolutely. yeah, age is like as huge as the things Lane mentioned there, and they're all huge. The accountability, yes. toughness, athleticism. The age thing was real. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely it, it was. And and we saw it play out. They I think um Demetric Felton was was pretty old. He was twenty two almost twenty three. I think that's as close as we got, right? Right. I, I mean you look at it, I mean you, you want to get a guy uh, one of these young guys that are twenty one and twenty two because you know, you know, they play out that first contract, they're still young. You still have an opportunity to have they're youthful, they're more Received productive years. I mean, if you if you look at the data and stuff like that, you know, as you age, you become susceptible. So, you know, it's just it's a smart approach when you can fit it within the structure of what you're trying to do. It's a great it's a great point. I think that is now that we have two drafts. That is definitely what we should all be talking about. There should be no arguing with Steve this year with his mock drafts, right? Like no. there should there, there's a very clear pattern here, and we're going to try to continue to fit those guys that you should be paying attention to, and also tie them into who Lane says they're talking to because that's a huge thing in Rumor Central. The Browns have been talking to this person. Your tidbit about Micah Parsons before the draft, the Browns had had no contact. That's a huge thing, right? Like they're not talking to them. It's pretty obvious they're not interested in them. Could be some chain, like could be some 
you know, they, they got enough intel on a guy, whatever. But, like, for the most part, that means they're probably not interested. And there was Tony Fields' discussion. They talked to him. They brought him in. All those things usually line up. Uh, next question here is I, I'll ask it this way. I, Paul, Paul caught up. <laughs> Katoka? Katoka, I think. Who, who in the linebacker room should be, like, worried? I, we won't ask to, to go through who they're keeping, but, like, which guys do you think are the fringe guys that, that have to really play well in camp to make the roster? Well, I fully believe that Tony Fields is going to make an impression on this organization right away when he's out there on the field. He's, you know, we talked about him the minute he was drafted. I mean, this guy can play, and it's it's just going to be interesting. I mean, if you look at who's on the roster, I mean, you have to look who's been susceptible and questionable. you got a Mac Wilson. you got a question on Elijah Lee, who's really a good special teams player. But, you know, what? Tony Fields can fill that type of role. So, you know, those two guys jump out immediately to me. That are you're in danger. I mean, you you sign a free agent, and you're not gonna you're not gonna get rid of him. Um, you know, you brought Smith back, who you know really had a solid year for them a season ago. And, you know, that's not the, really the direction that you want to go in. So when it comes down to me, I mean, I look at Mac Wilson and Elijah Lee as two guys that are really in the sights. I'm with you. I'm with you. Those two for sure. If they get really tight at the position, Smith. But I think that he, like you said earlier about. Tony Fields making an impression this year. I think Malcolm Smith surprised because if I recall, Lane, correct me here if I'm wrong, but it was it was Mac Wilson's knee hyperextension that kind of forced the hand to bring him in, right? right? So it was unexpected, and they brought him in, and he made an impression. We already Tom talked about the starting uh, another starting caliber corner for uh, It's it's to me again like I would love to get an elite slot guy like Brian Poole or go get Stephen Nelson, but it's. How much do those guys want to be here when they have right. Greedy, when they have Greg Newsom, and they have Troy Hill? And then they, they, do they want to come into a place where they have to compete during time? They, most of those guys are established. They, there's plenty of other situations where they can know they're going to play instantly and get a, a chance to showcase for another contract. So a guy, again, I keep going back to him, like Gary Conley, who, who mm-hmm. Lane mentioned again, who was in the building but during free agency, whatever. That's a guy who's hungry to also prove himself but would also be – you know, understand that he could be a backup as the season starts. And, and with this corner room, you're, you're probably going to get a chance to play at some point. So uh, we have we have nailed that one down. And then another good question is the Nick Chubb extension. I've got so many thoughts on this, as you know, Lane. I, I, <laughs> listen, I'll let you go on it, man, and then I'll, I'll just kind of riff off what you say. Go ahead. You know, when you talk about running backs and extensions, you know, the NFL is not for long, and, you know, running backs don't historically last – forever or produce at the high level that somebody like Nick Chubb has for the Browns at this time. I mean, it was difficult because Nick, Nick Chubb is really, if you look at that team, he, he's the heart and soul. I mean, just, he just does things. He's tough, physical. He just makes plays. He gets you out of holes. It, it's hard to rip the heart out of an offense that has developed and is evolving to the point that they are. And it doesn't even matter who's, you know, on the depth chart behind him. It's just who he is. Uh, you know, we get to the summer, we could be looking at something that maybe some discussion may start to take place. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's really nothing that's been pressuring or going on yet. But I assume from the things I hear that something is going to be said about it. Whether they can come to some kind of understanding is going to be another story. I mean, Nick Chubb's the type of guy I don't think is going to be sitting out there looking for every penny that drops out of the golden bucket. I don't think that he's going to be a guy that's going to have to have that Derrick Henry contract. Uh, I believe he, he really enjoys it here. I think he's a vital part of what this team does today, and I think he's a vital part that this team is going to do going forward. So I would anticipate if there's going to be a contract extension anytime in their reasonable future, it has to be Nick Chubb. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I would think so, too. I kind of made the point earlier. We, we've talked about a, a lot of these people that come up with the, you know, Baker and, and, and Nick and, or sorry, Baker, Denzel come up with contract, contract extensions, and so does uh, uh, Wyatt Teller. And to me, it's like, okay, I need to see another year of Wyatt Teller be really good, really, really good. I need to see Baker prove it again, probably. need Denzel to show he can be healthy over the long haul. I, I know do. Nick Chubb is really good. Like, I know he's the elite of the elite of his position. So it's like... I would try to my bet, and I, I get it that some of the contracts lately they've let the market set the value for these guys. Meaning mm-hmm. that, that that when they're when they're going to be able to get a, a, a tender from somebody else or, or get a contract offer from someone else, and they can ex, you know exclusive tag him or whatever and match that or go over whatever they. I just think that there's certain players that it's, it, when you haven't signed some of the other guys down the line that you can pay a little bit more to right now to take care of them now. Instead of later, it just makes so much sense for Nick because he does. I like Kareem Hunt a ton. The guy led the NFL in rushing one year. He's no slouch. He's <laughs> he's really good. But Nick does things that that, that that Kareem cannot do. He sees things that he cannot see. Right. And like <laughs> I I just there's cutback lanes, there's patience, there's setting up blocks to the first block to get to the next hole. It's like he does those things. That, that really people don't always see. I try to point him out, and I know we talk about him, Lane, but like mm-hmm. people don't see them, and he doesn't. And it's so to me, I think there are certain players that, yeah, we know what the market's done lately. We know X, Y, and Z about running back. I just think you sign him, and 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 eventually, I think they do 
because none of these big time running backs have left. Like they've all gotten extensions in some right. form or fashion. So he would be a, a, a an interesting one for them to not to not bring back. It just would be so much mean, especially to me. I'm not saying they're trying to place Kareem, but Demetric Felton feels like a guy who can do the things Kareem does to an extent. Again, just to an extent that they know if they don't want to give Kareem another contract because Nick gets his second contract and they need to let him walk because he could go get more money elsewhere. You can kind of see where I'm getting at, what I'm stepping in. What do they say? Yep. Smell what I'm stepping in. Like that that natural handoff of the second running back thing could happen there. We'll see if Demetric is as good as what his tape tells us because it's a, some good tape. Uh, but that's oh, just is. where I'm at with it. And, and I know you, you, you lay it out well and you'll be on the forefront of any conversation that gets serious there. I mean, you're just talking about an elite running back in the National Football League in a, in a division who shows and typifies toughness. And that's the, that's the caliber of talent that you need. And it's just, it's hard to let somebody like that get away in the, the, the position that they're in now. I mean, this is a competitive team who is, you know, on the verge of potentially playing for it all. And you just, you can't let guys like that get away. You really, you really can't, especially when it's an offense that's, it's not Buffalo's offense. This is, this is an offense predicated on running the football as a baseline for what they do in a certain, and it's not just any running approach. It's a unique rushing approach built around guy, a guy who has to see it the right way. And there this are is. not, there are not those guys growing on trees everywhere. They're not all out there. No, so you find one. Got, yeah. 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 Any yeah. vision and cutback yep. ability. I mean, he's a guy who can put, put the cleat in the turf and gone. It's just, he's, he's a special talent. He is in a special, you know, in a special uh, uh, group of franchise running backs, you know, all of the greats that have gone through here. He's up there. He's with some of them natural talent wise. And that's that's saying because Cleveland has had a lot of failure in the last 20 years or so, but they have always right. produced good running backs throughout the franchise history. It is known for running backs. So uh, that's an interesting one here. Here's an, and listen, we'll talk about Nick, Nick Chubb so much more down the line. It'll continue to come <laughs> up to the next, next question from Cody. I think it's Justison says, do the Browns feel good enough about Nick Harris to potentially let JC Treader walk next year? Uh, throw it to you, Lane. Well, I believe the potential of Treader walking next year is going to be a, legitimate subject, but I don't know if that ties in directly to Nick Harris. I think the, the jury's out still. I think that they saw some things that they liked about him a season ago when he was over playing guard where he was overmatched at times. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, there's, he's technical and maybe a year in the weight room, a year in the system, a year in the process is going to help him. But he, he wasn't a guy that I heard anything about the entire offseason as future. When you look at some of the guys that they have within the roster and the depth chart that they have right now, it never got to that point to me. So it makes me beyond curious as to maybe they need to see what he is coming into camp this year and determine whether they got to go forward because they have a bunch of linemen on this depth chart. They like a lot of these guys. There's a couple wide bodies that are interesting that can play in a depth role there. So I think it's going to be all on table for Nick Harris to show who he is. I do too. I do too. I, I definitely like Nick Moore at center. He like you mentioned earlier in your 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 answer there, Lane. He's overmatched at guard, just physical size wise. He's overmatched. So uh, if you have him consistently trying to block shades or three techs, it's not going to go well all the time. But if you can have him as your center, who a majority of the time, even if it's an odd front and he has a head up nose, is going to get help from a guard, right? right? If he's your center and he oftentimes is he's 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 handling uh, 
kicking over, sliding over, helping a guard already handling. He can do that. And I think he's very smart too. And he can handle a lot of the things JC can handle from a cerebral point. Cause you know, JC's up at the line of scrimmage calling out the mic. If you hear Baker, I tried to point this out in the tweet last year and I did a daily little film room on it. When Baker gets to the line, they set the protection. If Baker audibles, you know, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a call from JC. That's what, that was the cool part of last year when you were watching it is you could hear everything. If you put headphones in and game passed it afterwards, cause you know, we're watching it live. We're all so pumped up, but if you have game pass and you plug the headphones in and listen, you can hear all the calls are making, you know, yeah. 55 is the mic. Hey, we got to go Liz to Liz to 43 on the backside. Like they're calling everything they're doing up front. You can hear them. And JC's he's big, right? Like he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's making all those calls and helping Baker. So Baker will tell them what they, what he wants slide rip liz louie whatever and then right. jc will make some calls off of it so there's a nice little thing going i think they can handle that but you're right we didn't get preseason last year lane we need to see it we need to I see think, it in action you know that was one of the if any positive out of all this covid disaster that everybody has been through it was being able to watch a game and be able to listen to those calls and a lot of people don't realize that you know jc treader was make you heard his voice consistently a lot of people yeah. think oh, it was just baker just barking out there nah. You know, you got that guy up there making all these calls, and he was instrumental in helping, especially Baker, with some recognition things that, that went on. When they went into that bye week, and when they came out firing after that, there was a lot of communication and change on how they did some things that, you know, really enabled the offense to go where it was. And that had a lot to do with J.C. Trutter. It did. It did. He's an active part of it and he's never missed a game in his Browns tenure. And that's something, I mean, there, you know, there, there's something to be said for never. I mean, Joel's the same way. If, if the COVID right. situation didn't arise, he's the same type of guy, but those are, those are, it's important to have your guard center guard, especially for a quarterback like Baker, shorter stature guy who who needs yeah. solid protection up the middle. So another a question about solid protection up the middle, which I think I kind of answered a minute ago with the odds of a teller extension getting done uh, with all the others coming up. I answered that kind of backward answered it, but you can go ahead. Lane. <laughs> I think we got to see what he does in 2021. I mean, you look at what he did in 2020, and, you know, he was phenomenal. If, if, if he does the same thing or he's in, in the ballpark of that in 2021, you know, Wyatt Teller is going to be in line for a huge contract. And I'm not, you know, I'm not too sure what they're going to do in the offensive line room with all these big deals, all these dollars that are sitting there. It's much like the wide receiver room right now. Yeah. So, it's, it's you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this how it develops. I mean, you hope the guy just balls out and – you, know, you deal with you deal with the money down the road, but it's going to be interesting because you know the salary cap's going to bump up a little bit, but you know the huge jump isn't going to be for another year or over a year. So it's going to be I think it's going to be a precarious situation trying to get him and all these other guys done. Yeah, I guess the hope there would be, and I'm totally conjecture here for me, Lane, is you know Wyatt gets a deal, he kind of slides into the slot Joel had handled uh, eventually as Joel maybe transitions. I don't know, but who knows? Maybe Joel is able to sign one of those deals where he sticks around the franchise and it works out because he's a lifer. And I think he wants to be a lifer. His family's so settled in. But from a big money perspective, do you slide there? Then it's like, does James Hudson ultimately have the ability to play right tackle for Conklin? That stuff, I think the big picture things there are happening. And we'll see. If if Wyatt comes out and plays really well, do you think they could talk to him? Like if he plays a great first three, four weeks, do you think an in-season extension could happen there? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it would just come down to what the, the realistic expectation is when they even, you know, just throw, throw the crap against the wall at each other yeah. to get an idea. I mean, I don't see Wyatt Teller taking that big hometown discount. I think it's going to be big money. Um, 
I think this is going to be one that's going to stretch out. Yeah, I hope so. They like to keep him around, man. They they, like, they definitely like him a lot up there. L.A., what's up, man? Good question here. What's going on with Kaderil Hodge? Has he signed his tender yet? Do you know about that, Lane? You know, I haven't really got much much into that. I haven't thought about it much with everything else that we've been doing here. Uh, gotcha. You know, he's you know he's one of those guys that are at the end of the end of the depth chart, and he should, I think he should have signed it and just gotten it over with. That way, if something was were to happen, he was already that thing signed but you know i think it's going to come down to is that they may be squeezed for bodies in the wide receiver room and you know he may be the one guy who's on the outside looking in even though they do like him on specials and they do like that he provides some speed for him yeah you're right i think that's a guy that even if we think they're keeping six it could get dicey there so i like it daryl i'd be i wouldn't be surprised if he's on the roster it all works out but that's the name. They're gonna they're gonna slot him under DPJ because of developmental te- tendencies right. and all of that. Um, Najoku might be interested in the contact track extension. I know that's kind of floated around a little bit. I would answer this yes that if Hooper does underperform this year, he's he's got an out after this next year to to minimal minimal cap it. I mean, I would imagine so. Lane, if he plays like he did last year, didn't produce. I liked Hooper. I thought he was okay. I thought he was fine. He had some drop issues. For the most part, thought he's fine. Dealt with, did he deal with the uh, do you have a spleen issue, right? In season, I think yeah. something like that, um, that he had ex- removed. But I mean, do you think if he has another bad year, he's he, I can't, I can't appendix. say he had a bad year appendix, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Um, I don't want to say he had a bad year, it was just an average year, and he's being paid more than being average, right? Like, if he has another average to below year, there's probably going to be some sort of discussion there, you know what I'm saying. Well, you know, you look at what he did. He had some drops that were really uncharacteristic for him. But you have to look at what the Browns' offense did. They were, I mean, it's just a thing. They they were speed deficient. The, the inside of the field was squeezed. I mean, these guys didn't have a ton of room to work in. They're, you know, these finding the soft spot wasn't the easiest proposition for all these guys. Uh, that, that should change this year. We, we should see them continue to evolve, especially adding speed, getting OBJ back. His speed and threat is going to change things. You, you get a guy like Anthony Schwartz who is just going to, you know, you can run this guy on 15 goes a game and he's going to make coverage roll and he's going to he's going to help open up the underneath. You know, I, I expect Hooper and guys like Jarvis Landry to have better years just because of the evolution and the change of talent. Uh, but being said, if he has another year like he did in 2020, you have to really question it because he's being paid at, you know, a very high level that you, re- you may not have to expound yourself to that type of salary restraint to change the complexion of your room and what you can do on the field. So I think it's going to be a big season for him. I do too. And, and, and again, when you talk about Betonio's contract, or who, some of these guys want to stick around because they're winning. You know, that winning winning is a thing that changes a lot of minds, man. So it's a, it's uh, a very strange thing in Cleveland right now. It is. It is. Good question here about Malik McDowell in the 280 range. I heard them talk about in the introduction for Malik Jackson. Uh, they had mentioned that he could play some strong edge, you know, or a mm-hmm. big, they call him a, a big, a big edge is what they, they labeled it That's as at that point. It, yeah. Um, I think Malik could do a little bit of the same, especially if he's down the twenty pounds that we've heard, right? Yes. If he's in, the, oh. if he is realistically in that range and in good physical condition, then you will see him incorporated in that role, also. Yeah, it's it's a it's an odd front deal. It's a, it's a look they do in sub packages. So right. uh, this is a quick one. I mean, I guess just 
gauging lane from what you've gathered or who you've talked to or whatever your your level of what is the level of concern with greedy because this is a conversation i was having with steve today uh brown's mock draft about like steven nelson mm-hmm. which is like we ultimately just don't know how comfortable they are with greedy we we know greedy wants to come back and he feels right and he thinks he's back next year but like i guess it's like have you heard any rumblings about how comfortable they are with him the 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 I mean, based on what they did, it tells me they want to challenge, they want to get better at corner. But I, I haven't really – if they go out and sign somebody like Brian Poor, Steven Nelson would tell me there's a big concern about Greedy's shoulder. But as it sits right now, you know, I don't I don't know. What, uh, what have you heard? Six months ago, he was really not much of a thought. Four months ago, the intrigue started. Two months ago, they start getting somewhat happy. It's like they, there's a, a realistic – chance here that Gree Williams is going to be on the field. He's going to be able to play. He's going to be able to produce, compete, all that. Um, they feel good about that happening. Uh, you don't know until you're on the field and you start hitting. You, you just you don't know. I mean, is he, he's a talent that they could use. They definitely need that kind of player, that kind of depth or starting capability. But, you know, what it comes down to, he, he's a wild card, and he's going to continue to be that until you actually get him out there and they start banging heads and Find out if he if if his shoulder can hold up. It's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, that's where you get a little bit worried about the depth at the corner position because you just don't know. And since they haven't made any other moves, they didn't draft anybody. They haven't signed anybody after the draft. Um, you you believe Greedy's going to make it, or do you got a guy who's an undrafted free agent a year ago that they paid big money to, like they did Wilson mm-hmm. this year, to step in that they like? So it's going to be interesting to see where they go with it. Troy, I did not mean to skip your question. I, I thought it was like a statement. I, I thought that all the question marks were uh, exclamation points. My bad, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. Kansas City has a ton of talent. They, they, they've. Can Cleveland beat them? Yeah, of course Cleveland can beat them. Can Kansas City beat Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Cleveland's better than KC. I mean, it's a, it's got to, it's got to evolve. The season has to start. What does it look like? On paper, though. You can make a case that Cleveland has a better team than Kansas City, but it, then it comes down to, you know, I, I don't know that a lot of people outside of Cleveland would probably say that. And for the right reasons, you know, Kansas City won a Super Bowl, went to another Super Bowl. Cleveland hasn't done that right. yet. So that's what it boils down to. But they could go into Kansas City and beat them week one. So I'm not I'm not, I'm not, not saying that's at all wrong. Uh, well, potential friend. Go ahead. get a lot of that with the Mahomes factor because, it's you know, he, he's an NFL poster boy and, you know, Kansas City has been there. They've done that now. Uh, but the interesting thing that we're going to have, look at when we get into week one is a entirely revamped Kansas City offensive line against an entirely revamped Browns defense and you know this game may actually just may come down to the Browns defense if they can get after Mahomes against that offensive line that may not be gelled yet that's what you got to hope is that that offensive line is not quite where it needs to be yet um and and uh it's they they did do a great job of replacing those guys and shuffling, but you got to hope there's a little bit of lack of cohesion week one. Uh, do you see any uh, potential franchise tag candidates coming up down the road? I would imagine, you know, I'd imagine Baker, Denzel, those guys are on the table. So, um, I mean, yeah. they generally they generally don't like to use the franchise. Tag. Yeah, you know, it's, they're they're not a big fan of it. I mean, I'm sure if we're going to get to this point some of these guys in these contracts if they can't get them worked out i wouldn't be surprised if somebody gets that tag to you know keep that alive and keep it moving forward uh, but you know right now it's just it's so early it, anything can happen and you know, i'd rather not speculate on that until we get a little bit more information yeah i'm with it i'm with it um 
let's go to next question is how do we uh, how different do we expect the 21 offense to look given the additions of Stefan and, and Stefanski's uh, ability to adapt so they didn't change a ton, which is great, you know, which is which is awesome. It's so rare that we don't see many much turnover on a side of the football. They get the same coach, same coordinators. And I, a, good, a question up there earlier, I should have asked this question. I, I, I want to do that before we get to um, somebody had asked, and may, maybe the question went away. I can't remember. Uh, this one right here from Cody Judison again, which is, what are the chances AVP takes over his play caller this season? Thought he did a great job in the playoff game. I wouldn't be surprised if he did it because he was teetering on the brink of doing it last year. Right. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. Do you think it could happen? I mean, I think it could happen. I don't know if it will, but I think it really could. I think it's going to be the same situation as it was a year ago when they were working in camp and everything. I think it's going to come down to, you know, Stefanski and his comfort level with it, which I believe he fully believes Help to take care of that. Um, wouldn't surprise me if it happened this year. No. Yeah, me neither. I, I just I think Kevin would like to be a voice. He would like to be a guidance thing and really focus on the challenges and decisions that have to be made. And uh, it's encouraging what AVP was able to do in Pittsburgh. Obviously, very encouraging. Um, so we'll go back to this question. <laughs> Speed will help. Anthony Schwartz will help. Demetrius Felton could help. He could find his way on the football field. Probably not because that means you know. But the, the big addition, Schwartz, doing some fun quirks with him, right? Doing some different things. Um, I think they will adapt, Elaine. Do you think they'll adapt? What kind of adapting things do you think they will do? You know, I don't think that we're going to see too much of a difference. I, I mean, I, I think we're going to—they're going to be more vertical. Mm-hmm. Just, just you know, getting OBJ back and getting Schwartz on the field. You know, these guys are going to help them with that the speed complexion of what they do. Uh, I don't anticipate a lot of change. I mean, you, you're sure you're going to see jet sweeps. You're going to see all these things that. You know, they wanted to do more of a year ago, and J.J. Natson was going to be a component in that role, and he went down, and a lot of yeah. that went out the window. I just I, I see them continue to build on the evolution of what they became the second half of the season. Um, I think having that time in the process and what they did there and what they're going to be able to do in the offseason, I think they're just going to continue to build upon that direction that we, we saw them do. A season ago. I don't expect huge changes. Though. I'm with you. I think they'll try to beat tendencies. They'll, they'll do more. Ver- the big thing is doing more things that are actually challenging defenses horizontally, really right. putting pressure on them horizontally and vertically. Like you said, they want to push it downfield more. Hopefully they'll do that. We're going to close with this question, Lane, because we're approaching 40 minutes and you have a life and I have a life and a wife who probably wants to kill me at this point. So, um, <laughs> What, what A good question from the Ask the Insider section about since 2000, have you witnessed our front office and coaching staff ever mesh? This comes from Dog DC, who mentioned, uh, you know, he watched the episode of Building the Browns about 200 times. He says he's not asking about the course years. And this is a good question for you, Lane, because, you know, my Browns fandom really starts. I mean, I'm young watch. I've watched it my entire life, but I'm not aware as an adult is aware of what's going on in the 99, 2000, all the mm-hmm. way up to, you know, in the 2000. When I get to college in 08, I'm really paying attention, but that's a lot of time missed. So he's asking, like, he says, I'm not asking about the Accorsi years, but the last in the last 20 years, have you seen a Browns head coach, general manager get along and be in tuned on the needs and wants of the team like Coach and A.B. have for the cameras? Since Ernie and along uh, with Paul Brown are the best GMs in the history, and if A.B. stays here for the next five years, which he's very young, don't know why he wouldn't, 
Uh, I think you will rank right up there, in my opinion. I just want to know if it's real or not. So you have seen this stuff, Lane. You've been in the building covering mm-hmm. these different regimes throughout the last two decades. Is this one of the best, if not the best one they've had since the return? Uh, this this is the best combination of guys in the front office in alignment that's been since they returned. I mean, I could tell you back to Ernie Acorsi, and you know, Ernie Acorsi was well, the man until Art Modell decided he wanted to destroy everything that that guy did. But when you you can look at it, and you look at when they came back in '99, you know, they had the they did some things, and the way Clark came in. Transferred over, and then Butch Davis came in and ended up being that Butch and Dwight Clark didn't get along. Pete Garcia was Butch's guy, and Dwight Clark was pushed to the side. You know, it was just just an evolution of guy after guy after guy after guy, and nothing ever meshed. I mean, they just didn't get guys together that could work together, would work together. Guys who had egos, and they were just they were power hungry. Guys who were inexperienced. I mean, you're looking at guys right now. You got a young group of guys in the front office led by. Podesta, he, he sits above the round table and does all that, and he lets those guys work. I mean, A.B. and his staff, they, they, they're very diligent, man. I, I don't know if I've really ever seen a group that just goes to the links that they do. And it's the analytical approach, you know, everybody talks about, and it's always a hot topic and hot button. You know, and they are that, but they do so much, you know, football work, football scouting work. Yeah. incorporate everything together it's 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 a fine-tuned machine it's just strange how everything just evolved and happened as quick as it did here but mm-hmm. you know you, you bring andrew berry back who is you know, highly intelligent and just football smart and he's a communicator and just everybody's on the same page and i think that as long as they can keep this group together and keep going forward this organization is in very good shape it's rare, Lane. It's rare. I think that they were too heavily leaning into the numbers probably with Sashi. They would admit that. They were too heavily back to the football guy approach with John Dorsey, and they would probably admit that. And they have found the middle ground. They have maybe this early. As I know we've only seen one year, one eleven and five year playoff win, but they seem to have found the right middle ground in approach. And and not only in approach, but the people meshing to personalities meshing. Uh, personal interest meshing, not being worried about getting all the credit for all the work. Just do the work, and who cares where the credit goes? It's just, it is as we sit today. Things could change tomorrow. There could be a story in the in the uh, uh, TMZ about Andrew Barry hating Kevin Stefanski. You never know. <laughs> but as we sit here today, it's like these guys were really meant to be here at this time, right. and they were I mean, meant it, to know each other and all of it. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, you bring up Sasha Brown, which you know at the time they needed to rip every stud out and. You know, the approach that they did with him and wanted him to do and what he took, you know, he just he helped amass a lot of the capital that helped him get to the point of John Dorsey, who, you know, they just did a complete 180 and went the opposite way. And I'm not saying that neither one of those approaches were needed because I believe that, you know, there was benefit in yeah. you know, each scenario. I, I think that each guy did a job that they were seeking to get done which led to where they are today with the guys that are just straight down the middle, just as straight as they can be about everything. It's not just football. It's just personality wise, because they get it. They understand football is still a people business. A lot of people don't understand that, that, you know, there's sacrifices you make for people and you know, that's what they do. And it's just, it's a, it's a unique group. And it's, it's, it's strange to say that after everything that's happened in Cleveland, that this is, <laughs> where they are and this is what it is 
and you're, you're sitting, getting ready to go in the summer of 2021, and you're thinking, you know, damn, the, the Browns are going to, they could be legitimate. And it's just, it's, it's a strange feeling, especially somebody like me who's done this forever. It's just, yeah, it, it could be baffling. Yeah. It, and for so long, you just get used to it, Lane. I would imagine. I mean, I've only done it now for really four years, but I'm like, it's yeah. I was a fan before and everything, but I wasn't really into it the extent that you guys were. You know, well, you like I, it's ex- crazy. You don't have expectations. It's just, yeah. You know, you you expect that they're going to lose. I mean, you, you look at six and ten and go, damn, that's a good year. <laughs> you do, man. You do. It's, you it's, do. And I think that's that's a big part of what gets lost in like Baker's first few years is like those years that he was. You know, the, the first year winning seven games and then struggling to six games, it's like, well, you know, perspective, here's – this is not bad, right? Like, <laughs> you know, so this is good, Lane, man. This is great. Guys, we're going to try like hell to have Lane come on once a week. Life gets in the way. He gets busy. I get busy. Things happen. Uh, we will we will definitely touch base anytime Lane wants to come on and answer questions and is willing to give us his time. You guys were great asking questions, great insider questions on Ask the Insider section on, on – uh, on our on our website, the OBR. Make sure you fire those in there. We will be answering them all the time and giving you all of those benefits that come with being a subscriber to the best Cleveland Brown site on the interwebs. Lane, thank you for joining us, my friend. Anytime, buddy. Just give me a yell. All right. All right. Thanks again to Lane. Thanks again to you guys for joining us. We will be back. I'll have some pods. I have a great pod with Fred Greetham. Fred was driving down to Turkey Hunt. I got him on the phone on I-77. We had to talk about his five ways the Browns improved it reach the next level i'll post that this weekend and then we will coming up uh probably monday post our part two of the draft deep dive with a whole bunch of different deep writers on these guys so we'll get that posted too again thanks elaine thanks all of you for joining us uh we will be checking back in next week and until then go brown nobody builds 5g like verizon builds 5g because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in america And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.